Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as uh, simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome, everybody, to the Boiler Alert Podcast. With you, as always, I am your host, Andrew Ledman. And I am Ronan Bonaparte. And we are now the home of the one-and-one one Purdue Boilermakers after a victory in Blacksburg that has to be uh, a record record breaker for end time for a noon kickoff with the game ending mm-hmm. somewhere around 9 o'clock. Uh, so that yep. that was uh, just an incredible day. We'll talk about that a little bit later. Uh, that's obviously going to be the bulk of the pod, but we've got some non-football sports news uh, to open up the show. Ryan, did you get up at you know 3 a.m. to watch Team Canada versus Team USA in the FIBA World Cup? Sure, I'll pretend I did. <laughs> no, so you're not supposed to say that. You're supposed to let the listeners have the illusion that you did. Right, I am committed to everything... Um, sports yeah, like commit 24 to, hours Commit today. to the bit, Ryan. You've got a role to play right. here. Um, yes. So, yeah, Team Canada, Team USA. Uh, Team Canada, of course, has Zach Eady on there. Uh, he's not getting a ton of minutes, but, you know, that's that's understandable. I mean, there's a lot of NBA guys on there, uh, a lot of, you know, professional players, uh, and Zach Eady, of course, still uh, in college here at Purdue. But he's he's been, you know, making an impact when he is in there. And this morning they played Team USA in the bronze medal game because uh, both of them could not make it into the into the final game for the gold, but that's okay. So it was a real mixed bag situation for most of us here. I believe most of us here are rooting for the USA, but 
you know, Team USA lost in overtime to Canada, and so that means Zach Eady wins himself a bronze medal at the FIBA World Cup, and the U.S. walks away empty-handed, which I believe is only the uh, seventh time in, like, 34 competitions that they haven't walked away with a medal, so something is uh, amiss in the USA basketball camp, but how, how do you feel about Zach Eady walking away with a bronze? Oh, I mean, he added another trophy and medal into yeah. his trophy case. Yeah, this is a um, this is a really rarefied uh, thing because Team Canada had not won a medal since 1936. Absolutely, yeah, Zach Eady, clearly. Yeah. Um, but kind of moving past him, getting another medal, it's showing that he can go up against these big boys, and you know clearly a level up of competition and i don't think he missed a single shot yeah unless he missed one today i and these box scores are like impossible to find i went to espn and read the story about the game there was no box score attached as of this morning went to nba.com there was no box score attached to the story. The AP, there was no box score attached to the story. Uh, but up until today's game, Zach Eady was, he only had taken nine shots in the entire tournament, but he was nine for nine. So, I mean, it, you know, that's pretty good. That's about as good as you can be. And he's really taking advantage of his minutes. I will say, uh, he was, so Team USA was down by three uh, with, I believe, about four seconds left. Um, they were actually mm-hmm. down four, went to the free throw line made the first free throw, intentionally missed the second one. Zach Eady was in uh, for the rebound, so he was on uh, the right side of the lane. And upon the miss, the ball bounced his way, uh, but he simply was a little slow getting off the line and didn't grab it. And it allowed Team Mm. USA to hit a three to end the game, and that's how they made it into overtime. Um, But Team Canada dominated the overtime and, uh, you know, won going away. But... I know he was at least in the game for that part because I did see that um, on uh, Twitter. So I know he was in, but, you know, even if he didn't get a ton of minutes, which we know is the case, he's out there playing against pros, playing against Team Canada every single day for a few weeks. I mean, that's going to be invaluable experience for him as he comes back to Purdue in the next few days. Absolutely. So I actually did find a box score. Um, He played two minutes and 18 seconds. Did not take a shot and had one rebound. That's a very specific box score. Two minutes and 18 seconds. Yep. So, um, oh, and one personal foul. Okay. But um, I wonder. They also have a guy named Phil Scrub. So for those people who say Canada is made up of scrubs. uh, You're you're partly right. Entirely wrong. Yeah. Um, I, I wonder if the one foul was the intentional foul to get Team USA on the line. But you never know. Probably, yeah. You never know. Um, so, I mean, this is there's no downside for Purdue uh, that he went out there and did this. Not only does he get the experience, he walks back with a bronze medal and gives Purdue that added, you know, cachet of having a, having a guy with a, a FIBA World Cup bronze medal on the squad, but also gave the mm-hmm. team the chance to go to Europe without him and kind of get a feel for what could happen should they find themselves in a situation where he cannot play, um, allow guys to kind of get their footing in new roles that they may have to take on this year. Yep, absolutely. Um, I will say he did uh, take some free throws too. There you go. There's that. (laughs) Yeah. So congrats. Congrats to Zach Eady. Unfortunately, it did come at the expense of Team USA. So Team USA needs to get it together because obviously we need them to win at the Olympics. 
But uh, moving on, there was one other Purdue sport we wanted to highlight before we took our break, and that is the women's volleyball team, who obviously always doing incredible things uh, on and off uh, the court. But they had a game this mm-hmm. weekend, uh, actually yesterday, the same day as the Purdue football game, which would have been able to watch both, but then, you know, delays. Um, they Purdue currently ranked number 20. Uh, in the nation, and they played Kentucky, who was number 19, won, that, won it in five sets, and, I mean, it was a squeaker. They won the first set, 25-23, lost the second, 19-25, then won the third, 25-19, got absolutely blown out in the fourth, which always blows my mind when that happens in volleyball like this, 12-25, to uh, but then won the fifth and final set, 18-16, to so a lot of fight in this volleyball team. Um, they've really had a good few days here. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, so they're five and two on the season. You know, they dropped two early matches to number 18 Creighton in uh, in Holloway. And then they also dropped a match to Loyola. So after those two, they have rattled off four straight victories, three of those coming against ranked teams in Kansas, Marquette and Kentucky with the first two of those actually coming in Lawrence, Kansas, on wow. Kansas's home court. That's so, tough. That's tough. I mean, it it goes without saying, this is a very young team, so they're going to have wins and they're going to have some, you know, losses that you don't expect, but I the ceiling is the ceiling is the roof, right? <laughs> yes. So. That is that is the saying. <laughs> uh. Absolutely. So um, they will play next Thursday, or this Thursday, actually, against UCF as part of the Boilermaker Challenge. And they will also get to play USC, uh, future conference. Future conference rival, that's on right. Friday. So, as of now, neither of them are ranked. So, and they're both at home. So. Good, good. And then so. that should take them to the end of their non-conference slate. Yeah, I mean, Purdue continues to just be... A, a great volleyball school. Dave Shondell mm-hmm. always knows what he's doing. He's got great recruits, um, great team cohesion. And as of late, you know, they've played a really impressive non-conference schedule because I think in years past, we know the Big Ten schedule is going to be great just because of the quality of competition. But there's always a fear that you're going to be docked a little bit for a bad non-conference when it comes to NCAA seeding and um, ranking time. So I think Dave Shondell and his staff have done a great job of providing challenging teams, challenging matchups, and doing so as a way to boost the NCAA resume. So that is always, always a good idea once you go into the Big Ten season and you know you're going to face ranked opponent after ranked opponent because the Big Ten is just the country's best volleyball school or volleyball conference. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, they play five um, top ten games in conference slate, and that's currently, I mean... Um, and then three more are in the top 15. Yeah, it's just it's just wild. I mean, I, I think at one point Purdue was like ranked 15th, but they were the seventh Big Ten team ranked. I mean, it was just outrageous. Mm-hmm. Um, the Big yeah. Ten continues to be the premier volleyball conference. So we're going to go ahead and leave that there. We're going to take our break, come back and talk Purdue's victory over Virginia Tech 24-17. to We'll be right back with you. 
it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. And we are back. So we're going to talk about Purdue's victory over Virginia Tech. One of the just strangest experiences I've had watching a Purdue football game in a long, long time. Ryan, can I give you a little story time? Uh, of course. Okay, so I, I had a friend, uh, my wife and I have a friend who um, was was actually in our wedding, and she was on a work trip, and she had a five-hour delay, or I'm sorry, a five-hour layover at the airport that is just down the road from us. So mm. when we found out, we were like, hey, why don't we pick you up at the airport? You can come uh, back to our place. We'll have lunch. We can take you back to the airport. So... Uh, I knew I was going to miss at least part of the game, uh, so I set the mm-hmm. DVR because, you know, game started at noon, we were going to go to lunch. So I set the DVR, and I get an alert that the game is delayed. I'm like, hey, this is great. I'm I'm not going to miss anything. So mm-hmm. uh, I go to lunch, enjoy lunch. The game starts while I'm at lunch, but I'm like, okay, that's, I'll, I'll be able to catch up. And then I get an, another alert that the game is delayed again. And I, at this point, I don't know anything about the score. I don't know anything of what's gone on. I have no idea even how much time has gone on in the game. So we get we get back to, to our house, and I have to take our friend back to the airport. So I take our friend back to the airport, drop her off. Uh, my wife and son are like, we're going to the library. You can meet us there when, you know, you're done. I'm like, all right, that's great. So mm-hmm. I get home, put on the put on the game to, to watch a little bit before I go, and I get to, you know, produce scores. I'm like, fantastic. Purdue stops Virginia Tech, three and out. I'm like, this is amazing. They get the ball, they're driving, and there's like, I believe it was like 5.33 left in the first quarter, and mm-hmm. they they just delayed it again, and I'm like, I am all caught up, and it was like, I was an hour, I think, or so behind uh, in, in like mm-hmm. real time, and I just had no idea what was going on. So then, of course, you, you run directly to the internet and go to Twitter Go to Facebook, look at official accounts, and see what you can find. And it was just like, the game might start at 3. Or they're going to make an announcement at 3. And then it was, well, they're going to make an announcement at 4. Or 4.30. Before ultimately determining the game was going to start at 6.15. And so, ultimately, I got to watch most of the game uh, live. 
just because of these delays. So it it really worked out for me in that instance. But let me ask you this: Let's pretend in this in this world we're we're making up here that you live an hour or two away from where this game is. You mm-hmm. go to the game, and there is a delay. How long are you staying before you head home? Until they call it. Oh, um, you you are okay. I have. I have a slight counter story for you. Okay, let's hear it. So, um, when I was a senior in high school, we took a trip, or this is before my senior year of high school, we took a trip to Florida, um, and we went to the Daytona 500, or whatever it's called the second time they race at Daytona. <laughs> okay. You know, I don't, yeah, it's not the same name, whatever. Um, and so my mom was a big um jeff gordon fan and this was the last time jeff gordon would ever race at that racetrack mm-hmm. so um we went to the race and it got rained out um i believe it was a seven hour delay oh and my god we waited the whole thing you out. the whole time yes we ended up getting and it was a noon race so we waited the whole time and um i believe the race ended at three in the morning Oh my gosh! So, um, I I will wait until they make it official that you have called the game or rescheduled the game. You know, especially if it's like on a weekend. It's like I don't have much else going on. Um, it's it's worth it to me. Yeah, be one of those guys in the ponchos just sitting in there, just holding out. Yeah, and I love I always love when something like this happens because they show you the stadium and you know. It's almost always, when it comes back after a long delay like this, it's always like maybe a third full of what it was. Um, yep. But there's always like those people who just stay in their seats. Mm-hmm. They, they may be like 40 rows up and like in the corner, but they're like, no, this is where I sit. I'm not taking, I'm not taking a better seat because they're available. I'm going to stay right here because by God, this is what I do. And this is, this is where we're going to win from. It always cracks me right. up. Now, I have a question. Yeah. And I know, I don't, this is unfair to ask you this question, but I have just a question in general. Did they re-enter Sandman? (laughs) I don't think they did. I don't think they did. That's why, that's why the result of the game was what it was. Yeah, that's why they lost. That's why they lost. Um, And I have been to, you know, a lot of Purdue games at a lot of different stadiums. Um, I've, I've sat through the Purdue game when they played at Maryland um, a, I think the first time they played at Maryland and it just mm-hmm. rained on and off the whole game, but never enough to cancel it. But I was also, um, at the Purdue Eastern Illinois game on September 8th, 2007, when there was okay. a 65 minute delay for lightning, um, mm. lightning and rain. And it was so weird because they actually allowed people to like, they told people to leave via the stadium, like the, the turf. So we were, I was in the student section and they're like exit via the field, so we all had to like go down the steps, get onto the field, and exit like through where the team goes. Um, and we right. all hung out in Mackey for that hour and five minutes, and it was okay. it was very weird. Yeah, I mean it makes sense. They don't want you on the metal bleachers. Yeah, I mean I suppose so, especially because you know lightning delay. But it was we were just kind of like we're supposed to go on the field, and then of course I mean mm-hmm. they had all the security guards down there like arms crossed trying to be tough like do not run across the field um yeah but it it was definitely one of the more interesting 
um, situations I've been in. I can't say I've ever had a five and a half hour delay at any sporting event I've been to. Yeah. So did, first time for everything. Did, did you happen to see um, somebody at the press conference asked Ryan Walters what the team did during the delay? I did not see it. No. Uh, he said that some of, I, I think it was the defense, um, just sat around and played hangman for a while. Okay. So they must have had like a whiteboard or something, and a bunch of the defense was just sitting around playing hangman. Yeah. And it's wow. like, ooh, that's a long time to play hangman. Yeah, I'm surprised they didn't release the All-22 so you could have done some film sessions in that delay, <laughs> you know, just do that, yeah. have some fun with it. Yeah, I mean, oh boy, five and a half hours. I mean, it's so strange because, like, what do you even do when you, like, at a, at a half an hour, you're like, okay, we're still going to get out there, it's going to be all right. After an hour, after two hours, after three hours, you're just like, you're probably starving at that point. Have you been snacking? Are you, like... Do I eat a whole meal? What is it going to mess up my routine? I mean, these are like, it's not like you and I sitting around for five hours. You know, we don't have to go back out there. These guys are like, they have routines, they have plans, they have, you know, intakes uh, of food, electrolytes, water, you know, sports drink, whatever they're doing. They've got that down to a science and then suddenly they got to wait around for five and a half hours. That's just got to throw everything off. Absolutely. And then they have a 10 minute halftime. Yeah, where they didn't even leave the field absolutely just throws every wrench into every trainer and nutritionist yeah, I'm sure uh, plan I'm sure the trainers and nutritionists were like no oh yeah. man like and and yeah. I also saw Ryan Walters um in that same press conference said he spoke with the pilot uh for the Purdue plane and apparently they told him you know as long as you leave by like four in the morning you'll be fine Mm-hmm. Uh, so he was like, I was doing everything not to get this game canceled. I wanted to play. So yeah. he's like, I would have started as late as 1 a.m. to get this game in. Wow. Incredible. Incredible. Um, so obviously Purdue was able to uh, get things back again, back started. 6.15 was when we kicked off. And Purdue, you know, it was like a third and five, I want to say, Um when they when they got the ball back uh, mm-hmm. and actually started the game, nothing ended up coming to that drive. But I mean, you know, starting out, Purdue had one of the better drives they've had this entire year to go up seven mm-hmm. to nothing. And you know, every the surprise, most surprising thing about this really was all three of Purdue touchdowns came on the ground. And I don't yeah. know when the last time that happened was, but it has to have been a while ago. Yeah, and three different people scoring them too. Yeah. So yeah, another um, thing. Who who knows when the last time that happened was? Absolutely. So this is probably the most encouraging thing you could have is if it's a game that is completely rained out. You know, Purdue fans, we know how that you sell. Yeah, we that, you'd lose the cower. game. Yeah, yeah, we would cower at the sight of rain because we know we couldn't have a rushing attack. Well, 179 yards later, and we're. Uh, Looking pretty pretty on, um, on the Russian attack. I the, the Russian attack, the rushing. Attack. Okay, yep. okay. I thought this was a whole different podcast for a second there. Yes, comrade. Yes, Devin Mockaby is from Moscow. <laughs> so, um, I think that Hudson Card used his legs just fantastically. He, I mean, he had twelve rushes 
for 16 yards. That's not prolific. But he knew when to hold the ball, knew when to throw the ball, and it just looked better on offense today or Saturday. Yeah. Um, I was very encouraged by the offense. They spread the ball well. They got the running game going. Uh, Josh Kaltenberger did play. Garrett Miller played at least a little bit. Yeah. I don't know if he came back. He after did not. First... He did not come back after that long delay. Okay. So I mean, at least he got out there for a little bit. But um, yeah, it was spread the ball, work the run game, and make the defense uh, guess essentially. Yeah. And they didn't turn the ball over. Yeah, that I was huge. That was huge. How important that is. Yeah. And to your, I mean, to your point about Hudson Card, it sounds like you think he knows when to hold him, knows when to fold him, and he knew in this yes. game when to walk away and when to run. So, yep. For those of you that don't understand that reference, that is the gambler. So uh, look that song up. Um, but I mean, in this game, he was twenty-three of thirty-four, two hundred and forty-eight yards, no touchdowns, but he did have a rushing touchdown. Um, and yep. and to expand upon your point, the three rushing touchdowns. Devin Mockaby had one, uh, Tyrone Tracy Jr. had one, and then, of course, Hudson Card, as I just said, had one as well. And Mockaby and Tracy both had really great, really strong runs. I was amazed when I looked at the stats that Tracy only had four attempts for 51 mm-hmm. yards. It felt like he was more involved, um, but you know the, the stats say what they say, but only four rushes for him. He did have three receptions for another 14 yards, but he has really impressed so far this year. He really looks like he's bigger, stronger, um, and faster than he showed last year in his limited role. Yeah, and I think it's almost like he's come out more as the RB2. Mm-hmm. You know, he seems to have that backup role yeah. just because – it more it's more of he's different than Devin Mockaby, you know, in what he brings to the offense. Whereas Dylan Downing is a little bit more similar to Devin Mockaby. Yeah, and, I mean, and he's more powerful, but um, it's not like that gadget type play. Right, and and Downing has struggled a little bit. He got six carries in this game for twenty two yards, um, a long of just five, but. Um, right. Overall, the running game is so much better than it was uh, in game one, so you love to see that improvement. One other player who I thought really stood out in the receiving game was Max Clare, the backup tight end. He had yes. eight receptions for 64 yards, including a long of 27, and he looked really good catching the ball. He, of course, made mm-hmm. a very uh, bad mistake that almost cost Purdue um, when he failed to get onto the field during a field goal uh, attempt that forced Ryan Walters to call a timeout. Of course, as you know, fate loves to intervene. Uh, Purdue mm-hmm. still kicked the field goal uh, and made it, but of course, it didn't count because of the timeout. Then, with all eleven players on the field, Purdue kicks it again and misses the field goal. So, it, right, because it, of course, yeah, it cost Purdue three points. So, should Purdue have lost this game, Max Clare might have been in a lot of trouble. Um, mm-hmm. But as it is. You know, Purdue won by seven, so it's it's water under the bridge. But that is definitely something as as uh, as a backup tight end, you don't want to be the guy causing the team to not only burn a timeout, but also to uh, lose three points. Yes. Now, I, looking at the box score here, there's a couple other receiving names that pop up before you get to Deion Burks. Yeah. 
Dion Burks didn't have a very prolific game. It's not that he was um, just, you know, it's not that he had a bad game. It's just he was really taken as the number one threat. Yeah. And they bracketed him. So he had one catch for 18 yards, but he couldn't get the ball from Hudson Card just because the defense focused on him. And you saw that pay dividends to all of the other players. I mean, between Max Clare, TJ Sheffield, and Abdur Rahman Yassin, eh, they had 16 catches for over 170 yards. Yeah. So if that's what it takes, you love to see it. Obviously, um, you'd like to see more touchdowns, but... If you're getting them through the ground, you'll take them through the ground. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't think you and I are very picky as far as where the touchdowns come from. Um, you know, I, I don't care if it's running. I don't care if it's throwing. I don't care if it's special teams. Just put the ball in the end zone. Um, mm-hmm. And I, I want to say one thing. Some of the Purdue fans online are – I want to find the best word to say this without uh, being too terribly offensive. They're whiny. They're whiny and they annoy me. Uh, I'm just saying sufferable. <laughs> let me just give you one example. Purdue took that field goal, as I just said. They called a timeout when 10 people were on the field. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you're the coach and you see your field goal unit only has 10 guys, don't you think calling a timeout probably a good idea so you don't get that field goal blocked and returned? I mean, right. that's that's a logical reason to, to call that timeout. Yep. We had numerous people in our timeline and in our mentions saying, what a terrible decision by Ryan Walters. What a waste of a timeout. And yeah, hindsight's twenty twenty because they made the field goal. But, you know, you don't know that at the time and you just see 10 guys out there and you're screaming your head off because someone has made a mistake and you've got to correct it. That The, the choice to take that timeout is 100% justified. And just because they missed the field goal on the next flag or on the next attempt does not mean anything about whether the the timeout was the right call. Yeah, absolutely. Now, the only questionable choice that I had for Ryan Walter. You're talking about the fourth and one, aren't you? Yes. Okay, I here let me hear your you argument might. because I'm pretty sure we rot, we're on the opposite side here. Okay. I I understand the rationale. You just let up a touchdown, your offense was you know, a yard short of going three and out. So obviously you don't want your defense to have to, you know, absolutely go right back on the field. I think it probably would have been better to punt. That's the only questionable decision that I'm going to bring up. Uh, This week, I'm not on the same side as Coach Walters. That's okay. It's still a toss-up of a choice. There's no right and wrong. It just didn't work out yeah so this was in the second quarter i believe yes yeah right um, after virginia scored their first touchdown that's virginia right Tech. yeah yeah it was 17-7 at this point um purdue on first and 10 got nothing second and 10 they got five yards on third and five there was a four yard pass uh to claire then it was fourth and one at the purdue 34 yard line and yeah. there was four minutes and 18 seconds left and Purdue ultimately decided to go for it. They failed. My problem is not with the decision to go for it. I thought going for it was a great choice, a great decision. I think if you're going to win on the road, sometimes you got to make ballsy choices, and I thought this was a good place to do it. 
because the offense had honestly looked really good. They'd scored 17 points to that point, and they needed to slow down the Virginia Tech offense because there was a bit of a spark, and you don't, whether you believe in momentum or not, they had found something, and you don't want to keep giving them opportunities. So if Purdue had got that first down, I think it would have slowed everything down a little bit, even if only for another minute, minute and a half, two minutes of game time, and then you wouldn't, you know, it, I, I think it would have changed the complexion of the game. My problem was with the call itself, the decision mm-hmm. to basically, it looked like it maybe Hudson Card had a few options, but ultimately out of the shotgun, uh, ultimately tried to run for the first down. And I don't know if he was, if, if his main read was to keep it or to hand it off. I'm not sure if the running back at the time was Maccabee, Tracy, or Downing, um, but ultimately, he kept it himself. He did not get the first down. I thought that was a bad decision from a play-calling perspective, but I thought the choice to go for it on fourth was good. And I'm just – I don't understand what this coaching staff is doing going from the shotgun on fourth down so often and then trying to run it. Like, I understand you can't simply only go in shotgun on fourth down when it's one yard away because everybody knows what you're doing at that point. You know, you have mm. to have some variety. You have to not allow the defense to know exactly what you're doing. But you've got to go under center sometime. You've got to figure out how you're going to do it um, to get a yard. You're, you have to trust your offensive line at some point. And I, you, you think with the backup center in there, they maybe would have had a little more confidence. But I just – I wish they would have chosen a different play call. But – on this one, at least, at least I see the other side. You know, that is something we can all disagree with, and that's fine. Um, mm-hmm. But I, I think so many of our fans on on Twitter and on Facebook are just being needlessly hard and needlessly just kind of like outlandish for their expectations for head coach Ryan Walters. And I think it is something that people need to take a step back from. I mean, we've already seen people call for him to be fired because we lost the Fresno State. It's like as I said, uh, uh, maybe even last week or a couple weeks ago, like go outside and touch grass, like bring yourself back to the real world because where you are living is not real life. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, other than that, I think, you know, that kind of created, or it was a part of a stretch for Virginia tech. That was 17 points in about an eight minute stretch. Um, so they tied it back up. And they went into halftime, tied at 17. Yeah, I mean, that, that, that stretch, oof. the defense pitched, pitched a shutout. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, absolutely Virgi- lovely job. Virginia Tech didn't score in the second half. Um, and I don't know if anybody would have predicted that. Not only like during mm-hmm. the game, but before the game as well. It was, it was certainly touch and go sometimes there in the third and fourth quarter. Um, we thought there were going to be some problems, but, the, you know, they they started the second half. Virginia Tech got the ball. Only was able to get two plays off before Purdue grabbed an interception. Um, mm-hmm. You know, and it, it's I think Gabby said this on Twitter, or no, it was in the, in the quick wrap. The Purdue defense has found that uh, the less time they're on the field, the better. So they went ahead and got an interception or something to that effect. Um, and I thought that was really good. <laughs> uh, so I mean, they the teams traded. Uh, then I think five punts or four punts after that. Purdue missed the field goal and then another punt. So the third quarter was not exactly um, 
a textbook offense or or a clinic for the offense on either side. Um, a right. lot of ugly football going on there in the third quarter before Purdue eventually did score in the fourth. But it it was not not a beautiful football game in the second half. I don't know what you can attribute that to. Short of maybe, I mean, maybe that's when the delay kind of kicked in. The adrenaline had been up for the for the restart, but man, it, it was it was a wild wild game and. Defense again showed a lot of problems, but also a lot of promise. Um, you know, they allowed only I think single, barely any rushing yards. I'm trying to get the exact number now. Um, only 11, eleven on the game. Yeah, eleven total rushing yards for Virginia Tech. Um, they got in the backfield constantly, um, both mm-hmm. on the quarterback and on the various running backs that Virginia Tech had back there. So that was great. Um, but, you know, the secondary, again, had a number of mistakes. Uh, Cam Allen had a number of missed tackles. Um, so, you know, it was good and bad. But, you know, ultimately, Purdue won the game. So you, you take a lot of that and just kind of wipe it away. I know that's not really how it should be done, but it is. Um, Cam mm-hmm. Allen got an interception. I believe it's like his 11th, the 11th of his career. Um, and Dylan, Dylan Thieneman, second interception in two games. Uh, he's played yep. in two games in his career. He's got two interceptions. So uh, this young man might have himself a future on this ball club. Yeah. And um, a very underrated play in the first half. Dylan Thieneman comes up on the sideline and uh, is hitting. It, it's a legal hit. Hits a very, um, very strong hit on the uh, ball carrier. Oh, yes. And the announcers are saying, that should be targeting. Is it targeting? What's going on? Was not ruled targeting, even though it was reviewed. Major, major um, swing in Purdue's favor there. Yeah, yeah. Uh, losing losing him would have made a big difference, I think. Right. Yep. So, um, and that was before his interception. So obviously, he still had some big plays in him. Right. Right. Yeah. I mean, I think he is really proving himself uh, to be a key piece of this Purdue defense, but. They, they really do. They've got to figure out a way to tighten up that secondary. Um, mm-hmm. It was another, um, let's see, 275 receiving yards, uh, passing yards in this one for Virginia Tech. Yeah. And I just, did you do you happen to remember what the announcer said when uh, Chiron Drones, the transfer from Oregon, came in and completed two passes? Um I think I know. They were I, just, I can't remember verbatim. They, they, I mean, they just acted like this guy was the second coming. Uh, they're mm-hmm. like, he came in after, you know, nine hours. Uh, he, he hasn't warmed up since before noon, folks, because uh, he yep. came in on their last drive, and he completed mm-hmm. two slants, like, right away. Ended up with, like, 30, he, yeah, 32 yards, but then 0 for 5 on his next five passes and ultimately came to nothing and it, you know, turned the ball over. So it was just so funny because these announcers were just like, Oh my God, look at this guy. What an athlete coming in after nine hours on the sideline. And then suddenly just marching Virginia tech down the field. And it's like, well, they got to midfield and then stalled and nothing happened. Um, it was, it was very bizarre as, as a lot of people, um, had pointed out, you know, ESPN, very angry, I think, at the Big Ten, probably rightfully so, for not uh, giving them any of the media rights in their new deal um, with all of the various other TV networks. And I think 
I think that I think the ESPN is just kind of dumping on the Big Ten, and mm. we're just gonna have to see the brunt of that when we play on on the on any of the ESPN family of networks in the near future. But right. hey, you know what? That's all right. Uh, if that happens, we'll take, we'll take the extra thirty million dollars a year um, that we're getting by not having ESPN and take that right to the bank and and laugh as we cash the check. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so. There's a couple players that I did want to shout out. Yeah, that, love it. Uh, we haven't really mentioned. Nick Scorton yes. got uh, his first sack of the year. Three and a half tackles for losses. He had a that, five total tackles. And that last sack was absolutely huge. I mean, that that basically killed killed the momentum that Virginia Tech had there at the end. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So um, he got back there um, a lot and then... The other one is basically the other side of the ball from in Kydrin Jenkins. Those two look like absolute units just going after the quarterback, and they are playing fast, and it's seeming to, uh, seemingly making a big difference. Now, did that force the quarterback into a lot of bad throws? Maybe not, but um, still, big plays don't come every play. So you got to make it worth your while when you can. Yeah, yeah, that that Scorton sack was huge because that mm. took that took them I think from a third and twelve all the way back to a fourth and twenty five, and that killed mm. any chance they had of you know believing that they could go for it, convert, um, and try to get that touchdown. So that was absolutely huge. Um, for Purdue, and as you said, it was his first sack of the season, but he did a great job getting in the backfield all day long. So I, mm-hmm. I think. Overall, I think the biggest thing in this game is really the improvement from game one to game two. I mean, I know right. it is something that everyone talks about. You know, you never know what you're getting in game one. That is why so many schools hope that they get like a, a, a patsy in week one, you know, because even if you don't have everything put together, you can still walk out of there with a win if you're playing like uh, an FCS team or a really, really bad team um, like Purdue did last year in, you know, UConn. So. That is why playing Fresno State Week One is a little bit more difficult than we would have liked. But seeing seeing the run defense improve, seeing uh, the run offense improve as well in Week Two, really gives me yep. hope that this team can continue to build upon what they're doing and truly become a more put together team as we get closer and closer to the uh, the Big Ten season. So I was really excited with the the uh, secondary getting those turnovers because if they're going to be a secondary that allows a lot of yards, they have got to find a way to make big plays when necessary. And they've done that now in back-to-back weeks. Yeah, absolutely. Um, And I know that there are some on the intersphere (laughs) that believe that Purdue's last game, not even all of their points were legitimate. Um, just because of the fact that one was on a big play, one oh, was on a kickoff, yeah, okay, one was okay. set up by a punt. You know, those kind of people. You love those kind of people, right? Yeah, um, said with massive air quotes. Right. Um, Purdue's points in this game, every single one of them came on a, you know, a big drive, right? Right. Yeah. And, there, there wasn't one, you know, eighty-seven yard play or. Um, you know, an interception return or no special teams inter- um, returns, anything like that. Mm-hmm. 
So they had legit points, if that's even a term. So I, mean, <laughs> I don't think drive, it is, but I know what you're saying. Yeah, first drive, nine plays, 75 yards, and a touchdown. That's that's called marching. We like when Purdue marches. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, I mean, uh, I, I think I think. I think it's just it's an absurd argument people made. It's like, well, if we didn't have that Deion Burks eighty whatever yard touchdown, look at what we did. Okay, but we did have that touchdown. Like you can't yep. you can't take it away because it's a big play. Big plays happen all the time. Um, you can't rely on them for sure. I mean, yeah, if if that's your argument, everyone agrees. But they do in fact happen. So you you are obviously thrilled when they do. But it, it's just wild the arguments people make to try to discredit anything that Purdue can do. So just absolutely wild. Yeah. So I'm going to give you one more chance. Anybody else or anything about this game you want to talk about? Um, no, not much. Um, maybe their penalties. They had seven penalties, yeah. which is, it, it's not awful. Um, they were consequential but, penalties though. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. So clean that up a little bit, but there's always something to improve on. Yeah. Like we said, they didn't, they didn't fumble the ball once. They did not throw an interception. That is massive. They have not had a turnover in either game, and their uh, turnover differential is plus three. Yeah. I yeah. think that's the sign of a well-disciplined team, um, and that is something that Jeff Brom seems didn't seem to have always right yeah yeah they they of course had the huge problem with penalties as well but i will say i think the second roughing the passer penalty i thought that was bogus um yep. the purdue defender and i cannot remember who it was called upon um he dove at it the quarterback it was at the end he dove as the quarterback still had the ball hoping to get there uh before you know he threw it to get a sack or if nothing else you know uh take a little something off the ball so it would be incomplete he dove as the quarterback still had the ball, and then, of course, he threw it. Um, and then they, because he was tackling at his legs, they called him for a roughing the passer. And I just think that's a terrible penalty. Um, you know, yeah. I understand the Brady rule and trying to protect quarterbacks. You can't tackle them high. You can't tackle them low. You can only, you know, hit him in the midsection. And I get you're trying to keep people safe, and we need to do as much of that as we can, but... As my brother always says, my my one brother who played football, you know, do these guys not understand physics? The, these guys are running around and cannot stop on a dime. Once once somebody leaves their feet to try to tackle somebody, they're in the air. There's nothing they can do about it. Doesn't mean there's an <laughs> ill intent behind it. That's just the game of football. Yep. Yeah. So uh, I really do agree with you. I hope they get those penalties cleaned up. But uh, no turnovers through two games is a great thing. So, um, Ryan, I'm glad we could talk about this one. Glad we got this game in after that long delay. Um, And now Purdue is one and one and uh, we're getting ready uh, next week. We got Syracuse, right, Ryan? Yes, we do. We got the orange. So um, we should have additional podcast guests. Uh, Middle of the week, we're going to record with some folks from Syracuse, uh, also part of the Fans First Sports Network. So we'll talk Mm -hmm. about the orange, talk about maybe a little bit of last year's game um, and what we can expect from Purdue and Syracuse when they meet up this coming Saturday. Boiler up. Yes, sir. Hammer down.